Monday, May the 11th, and yesterday was Mother's Day. Hope you all had a chance to hug your moms. Having a little technical difficulties this morning, but I am powering through. It's Waking Up with Danny. Today is Eat What You Want Day. Today is also Hostess Cupcake Day. Those two go well together. Today is the National Root Canal Appreciation Day. Huh. National Twilight Zone Day. I feel like I'm in one now. And National Women's Checkup Day. So let's get out there and check up on some women's. people were injured and several homes were completely destroyed after a severe storm struck. Small town in northeast Texas late Sunday, the National Weather Service reported that the storm that hit the eastern part of Van Zandt County in the town of Van at approximately 8.45 p.m. local time likely produced at least one tornado. NWS crews were scheduled to survey area after daybreak on Monday. Chuck Allen, a fire marshal in that area, and emergency management coordinator said in an email to the Associated Press early Monday that approximately 26 patients were transported to hospitals after a triage area was established at a church. The extent of their injuries was not immediately clear. Well, it's not all doom and gloom, folks, but we do got a lot of rain out there. It's rainy in 71 in Atlanta, rainy in 72 in Washington, D.C., St. Louis, 67 in rain, rain in Chicago at 49. Minneapolis rain, 54. Omaha is windy at 45. 34 and sunshine in Denver, Colorado. Chile. Albuquerque is clear with 51. Los Angeles, California, 58 degrees. San Francisco is 53 with unknown precipitations. Seattle, Washington is 52. And rainy. Boise is 56. Miami, Florida is rain, 78. Orlando, rain, 73. Nowlands is rain, 74. And in Billings is rain at 38 degrees. Again, last but not least, Santa Clara, California. Santa Clara, California. It's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. And look for partly cloudy today, a high of 66. Precipitation 0%, humidity 81%, wind out of the northeast at 2 miles per hour. Well, get your galoshes on, folks, because it's going to rain, most likely today, wherever you are, because it's just one of those days. Headlines and things, it's time for the news. What does it all mean? Headlines around the world. It's time for the news. I'm waking up with Sandy. With lowered flags and 
prayers, a southern Mississippi is mourning two police officers while the four people arrested after their shooting deaths await an initial court appearance on Monday. Red roses decorated a chain-link fence Sunday near the spot where officers Benjamin Dean and LaCourie Tate were killed. And worshippers remembered the men in a small brick church just a few dozen yards from the scene. Part of a New York nuclear power plant remains offline as cleanup continues of transformer fluid that leaked into the Hudson River. Plant owner says it could be weeks before Indian Point 3 is reopened. Several thousand gallons of oil spilt into the Hudson after a transformer fire on the non-nuclear side of the plant. Governor Andrew Cuomo said Sunday the cleanup should take a day or two. And Russian President Vladimir Putin on Sunday defended the infamous pact between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union that agreed to divide up Eastern Europe among a visit by German Chancellor Angela Merkel. On August 23, 1939, Germany and the Soviet Union agreed to carve up Eastern Europe between them in a secret clause of Molotov-Ribbentrop tract on non-aggression. Putin was asked to respond to comments by Russia's outspoken culture minister Vladimir Medinsky, praising the act as a triumph of Joseph Stalin's diplomacy. Now on to the sports. It's fourth and goal on the one-yard line. The quarterback takes a snap from the center. He hands the ball to the running takes it to the outside to try to find the goal. Will he score? Will he not score? We don't know. It's the sporting show on Waking Up With Danny. intentionally fouling poor free throw shooter DeAndre Jordan backfired in a big way. Jordan scored 26 points, making 14 of 34 free throws after attempting an NBA playoff record 28 in the first half. And the Los Angeles Clippers won 128 to 95 on Sunday night to take a 3 to 1 series lead. All of us kind of got freaked out early, and then we were fine. Clippers coach Doc Rivers said, "They certainly were. They certainly were." Jordan had 17 rebounds, Blake Griffin added 21 points, J.J. Redick had 18 points, and Chris Paul finished with 15 points and 12 assists in the Clippers' second straight blowout win. Best of seven Western Conference semifinal series. They beat the hell out of us, Rockets coach Kevin McHale said. They certainly did, McHale. They certainly did. Sometimes you got questions and you don't know where to go, so you send them to me. Haunt your dreams, just send them to me. I'll do my best to answer all your questions. All your questions. I'm waking up with Danny. Questions and answers. East Londoner, UK listener Rob asked, What is the land of the blue smoke? 
Well, Rob, The Land of the Blue Smoke was released on February 11, 2009, and his Dolly Parton album sold exclusively at Dollywood and through the Great Smoky Mountains Association. The song, Chacon Oh Hey, can be heard in Dolly's Dixie Stampede. announces a worldwide ban on ivory to preserve its elephant herds. 1989, the same year President Bush orders nearly 2,000 troops to Panama. 1967, a hundred millionth U.S. phone call connected. In 1965, Ellis Island was added to the Statue of Liberty's National Monument. In 1927, Louis B. Mayer formed the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Talking about life and death. Well, in 1980, Matthew Lawrence was born. In 1963, Natasha Richardson was born. 1927, Mort Saul was also born. In 1904, Salvador Dali was born and started freaking people out. And in 1888, Irving Berlin was also born. But people also doth did perish on this day in history. On May 11th. 2015, Bill Pete died in 2002. Artist writer Disney's Peter Pan died at 87. In 2001, Douglas Adams, hysterically funny writer, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, died at only 49 years old. In 1997, Brenda Carlin, TV producer and wife, comedian George Carlin, died at 57. 1996, Joanne Thurkettle, a journalist, died at 48. In 1994, Leonard Friedman, a violinist, he died at 63. In 1982, Piet Bien Egmond, an organist and conductor, died at 70. In 1979, Joan Chandler died. And in 1610, Matteo Ricci, an Italian missionary in China, also died. And in 1631, Christophe Buell, a composer, he died at 57. Time for the quack. Life is a spark in the midst of endless darkness. We cling to love and hate, joy and pain, belief and fear, for they make us feel alive. Some of us are mighty men who will forge legends and burn like fiery stars in the darkness, casting a brief hope of life into this world. But in the end, we will have to give up everything we have and descend back to the endless, dreamless darkness to be forever forgotten. Warhammer said this. In the world! of the day is shatkun. It's a noun. It's a matchmaker or a marriage broker from the Yiddish shatkan, 
From Hebrew, the earliest documented use was 1890 in some usage. Moss became a highbrow shotgun, making free-willing directors from willing musicians to graft new musical theater onto old scores. Justin Davidson said this. He was a director of Milne's classic poetry and music, New York, January 10th, 2010. And a bonus thought for the day. It doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If it doesn't agree with experiment, it is wrong. Richard Feynman, a physicist and a Nobel laureate, he lived from May the 11th, 1918 until 1988. He died on this day in history. And you know you gotta learn something today. Make your life better. The more you know, the more you know. You'll make your life better And you know you gotta learn something today you make your life better And the more you know, the more you know Today I learned that the Cinderella Castle at 189 feet and the Tower of Terror at 199 feet at Disney World in Orlando are intentionally under 200 feet tall to avoid regulations that would require it to have flashing aircraft warning lights at the top. The Imagineers wanted to make the Tower of Terror tall, but they ran into a Florida federal law. This law requires structures to put airplane warning lights on structures over 200 feet. Many Imagineers did not want to put airplane warning lights on the Tower of Terror because it would break the illusion of an abandoned hotel. Thus, Imagineer donned their troll face and continued building the structure. At the end, the Hollywood Hotel Tower stand at 199 feet tall, just below one foot of the federal Florida law. Thus, the structure looks tall, and they did not need to add the magic-breaking airplane warning lights. Later on, the Imagineer would have a similar problem with the Expedition Forest. They wanted the structure to be tall because Mount Everest is the taller mountains thing in the world, they thought it would do the real mountains a disservice if it were not the tallest structure in Disney World. Thus, the Imagineers donned their troll face again and built the Expedition Everest. This time, the mountain stands 199.5 feet tall, just half a foot below the federal Florida law. Thus, it does not break the illusion of real world mountain. The Imagineers did not need the airplane warning lights. Hero. Yeah. He faces adversity.
Chopin's The Awakening is a quintessential work of feminist literature about a woman who feels restricted by the confines of her marriage. The same themes are at play here in today's short story called The Story of an Hour. Knowing that Mrs. Mallard was afflicted with a heart trouble, great care was taken to break to her as gently as possible the news of her husband's death. It was her sister Josephine who told her, in broken sentences, veiled hints that revealed and half-concealing. Her husband's friend Richards was there too, near her. It was he who had been in the newspaper office when intelligence of the railroad disaster was received, with Brintley Millard's name leading the list of killed. He had only taken the time to assure himself of the truth by a second telegram, and had hastened to forestall any less careful, less tender friend in bearing the sad message. She did not hear the story as many women have heard the same, with a paralyzed inability to accept its significance. She wept at once, with sudden wild abandonment, in her sister's arms. When the storm of grief had spent itself, she went away to her room alone. She would have no one follow her. There stood facing the open window a comfortable, roomy armchair. Into this she sank, pressed down by a physical exhaustion that haunted her body and seemed to reach into her soul. She could see in the open square before her house the tops of trees that were all a-quiver with this new spring life. The delicious breath of rain was in the air. In the street below, a peddler was crying his wares. The notes of a distant song which someone was singing reached her faintly as countless sparrows were twittering in the eaves. There were patches of blue sky showing here and there through the clouds that had met and piled one above the other in the west facing her window. She sat with her head thrown back upon the cushion of the chair, quite motionless, except when a sob came up into her throat and shook her, as a child who had cried itself to sleep continues to sob in its dreams. She was young with a fair, calm face, whose lines bespoke repression and even a certain strength but now there was a dull stare in her eyes whose gaze was fixed away off yonder on one of those patches of blue sky. It was not a glance of reflection, but rather indicated a suspension of intelligent thought. There was something coming to her, and she was waiting for it, fearfully. What was it? She did not know. It was too subtle and elusive to name, but she felt it. Creeping out of the sky, reaching toward her through the sounds, the sense the color that filled the air. 
Now her bosom rose and fell tumultuously. She was beginning to recognize this thing that was approaching to possess her. She was striving to beat it back with her will, as powerless as two white slender hands would have been. When she abandoned herself, a little whispered word escaped her slightly parted lips. She said it over and over until the breath. Free, free, free. The vacant stare and the look of terror that had followed it went from her eyes. They stayed keen and bright, her pulses beat fast, and the coursing blood warmed and relaxed every inch of her body. She did not stop to ask if it were or were not a monstrous joy that held her. Clear and exalted perception enabled her to dismiss the suggestion as trivial. She knew that she would weep again when she saw the kind, tender hands folded in death, the face that had never looked save with love upon her, fixed and gray and dead. But she saw beyond that bitter moment a long procession of years to come that would belong to her, absolutely. And she opened and spread her arms out to them in welcome. There would be no one to live for in those upcoming years. She would live for herself. There would be no powerful will bending hers in that blind persistence with which men and women believe they have a right to impose a private will upon a fellow creature. A kind intention, or a cruel intention, made the act seem no less a crime as she looked upon it in a brief moment of illumination. And yet she had loved him, sometimes. Often she had not. What did it matter? What could love, the unsolved mystery, count for in the face of this possession of self-assertion, which she suddenly recognized as the strongest impulse of her being? Free! Body and soul free! She kept whispering. Josephine was kneeling before the closed door with her lips to the keyhole, imploring for an admission. Louise, open the door! I beg, open the door. You will make yourself ill! What are you doing, Louise? For heaven's sake, open the door. Go away. I am not making myself ill. No, she was drinking in a very elixir of life through that open window. Her fancy was running riot along those days ahead of her. Spring days and summer days and all sorts of days that would be her own. She breathed the quick prayer that life might be long. It was only yesterday that she had thought with a shudder that life might be long. She arose at length and opened the door to her sister's importunities. There was a feverish triumph in her eyes, and she carried herself unwillingly like a goddess of victory. She clasped her sister's waist, and together they descended the stairs. Richard stood waiting for them at the bottom. Someone was opening the door with a latch key. It was Brentley Millard, who entered. A little travel stain, composed carrying his grip sack and umbrella, he had been far from the scene of that accident, did not even know that there had been one. He stood amazed at Josephine's piercing cry, Richard's quick motion to screen him from the view of his wife. When the doctors came, they said she had died of heart disease, of the joy that kills. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Waking Up with Danny. Join me next week, May 18th. Do it all over again. Waking Up with Danny. Thanks for listening.
Waking up with Danny